from there, he went to War College, and that is where he got a hint of where his life would go. Now, a year before the Marine Corps Commandant, Brigadier General Charles Haywood, agreed with the Navy that the Marine's job was going to change. Ellis was a very junior officer, but he had some very big ideas, and Haywood and other people were reading them. Like they, they thought they were good ideas. And one of these ideas was the role of the Marines needs to change away from securing naval ports and shit and acting as naval infantry to being able to secure beaches for uh, the idea was like the Marines were going to invade a place, secure the beach and open it up for the rest of the invasion force, which by weight of numbers was going to be the army. Yeah. So, so they're invent they're inventing tactical scalies. Wet scalies. Um, <laughs> after all, that's all the Marines are. Um, and uh, so Ellis's main like academic area was how exactly that should look. Um, and so he wrote and researched extensively for the Marine Corps. These ideas were still in their infancy, and they would be expanded upon within a few years. But he couldn't wait to get into the field and test these theories out. Instead, he was sent to the Philippines to act as a personal assistant for a colonel. Now, he hated his fucking life. Uh, one time he wrote to his mother saying that this is the laziest life a man could ever uh, lead. There's nothing to do except, quote, lay around, sleep, and go to bug house. And he said, I'm helping to bear the white man's burden. Now, for people who are unaware like me, bug house meant the psych ward. Okay. Like literally sit around and go insane. Um, and this is where Ellis started drinking. That is, n- that is never a good sentence to hear. He drank out of boredom and it quickly became a daily habit. Though he, I mean, he was smart. among us. Yeah, right. Um, now, he was smart and he kept a good relationship with this commander. And despite his total complete misery with his position in life, he was very good at his job. So he was eventually transferred away, bouncing around the Marine Corps including a time he was at uh, California at a mandatory dinner with the Marine chaplain, got bored, pulled out a sidearm, and started shooting shot glasses off of a table for fun. As you know, normal guy stuff. After this, he heard about the exciting new world of aviation. Because remember, like the Wright brothers just achieved flight a couple years before. You know, as he got those right boys, they're they're flying around. We're going to fly the Atlantic. And as soon as the Wright brothers took off, like the military's like, we can put guns on that. So, (laughs) I mean, does the military think of any invention any other way? Of course not. And he begged to be allowed to be the Marines first pilot, one of the Marines first pilots, because they were trying trying to get a couple. Instead, his boss said, no, you're too smart for that. You have to go to Naval War College because like you're he was. He was a good tactical researcher. Mm-hmm. Um, now, no longer a lowly lieutenant, he was allowed to study and write about whatever he wanted, and he dove into the topic of island warfare, becoming such a respected voice on the topic that he graduated and was immediately to, told to stay at the Naval War College as a lecturer, teaching the subject that he had just been researching. I mean, it sounds like they really didn't want them deployed. He was like, yeah, you uh, know, you've just like read a couple of books on this, but maybe you should stay in the college and teach it. I mean, I think his cri- at this point, he was cripplingly addicted to alcohol as well. Um, he was drunk. Yeah. He was drunk around the clock in the early 1900s, which is arguably when humanity was at its drunkest. 
I mean, yeah, like at that time, that's really a statement that your al- your alcohol addiction was a problem at that time. Nobody had really noticed it yet, at least that not publicly or any letters or anything. That's going to change soon. But most of what he was doing was expanding upon the idea of like beach landings. And then he was uh, researching like this is how we, w- we should do it and stuff like that. And eventually he was transferred to Guam to test his theories. Not that, that that was his mission. He just decided he would do it. Um, for example, he ordered a group of Marines to transport a three-inch cannon from ship to the shore, pulling it across the reefs and four kilometers down and up to a defensible point just to see if they could do it. And, you know, a three-inch cannon doesn't sound very big, but I should point out it weighs 900 pounds. So, like, are... Are they loading it off the ship onto a smaller boat and then bringing it to beach? No, no, no. They're they're landing it on the beach and then dragging it with ropes up mountains. <laughs> like they sound like, you know, that thing went around recently about like how often does your boyfriend or any man in your life think about the Roman Empire? I never think about the Roman Empire, but like I just how think are about we Pete go- Ellis. <laughs> how, how are we going backwards where it's just, you know, like some 19-year-old from Pawtucket, Rhode Island has to drag a nine-inch cannon up a hill in Guam? And uh, remember, he is very visibly drunk the whole time. Pull that maybe he's, fucking maybe he's got, cannon! Maybe he's got drunk strength. Oh, I don't think he's doing the polling. He's a captain no. at this point. Yeah, I suppose captains don't do any work. Sorry, no. Nate. Um, Either do lieutenants. Uh, Nate will <laughs> Nate will completely uh, agree with us there. But like, I mean, it's 1915 at this point. So his visible and constant drunkenness was something of a personality quirk rather than anything anybody considered dangerous or concerning. I mean, maybe he, <laughs> maybe he saw prohibition, not the writing on the wall and went to Guam because he's like, they're going to get rid of booze. I, could, I got so drunk I could see the future. I'm drinking floor cleaner. Now, he was drinking so much at this point. In mid-sentence throughout the workday, he would simply double over and vomit everywhere. Um, <laughs> He's doing like a Team America World Police, just like vomiting on some private. And uh, so he's like, hey, good morning. Oh, that's extra bloody this morning, sir. It's nice to see you. I mean, I had a maths teacher in school and, uh, you know, gonna stop here to say like if you are suffering from alcohol addiction that's a very serious problem and uh you know there is help out there life gets better but i had a maths teacher in school who was a raging alcoholic for about 15 years he, and, like, he was a school teacher i could say as a former school teacher we're all alcoholics but uh, my my brothers went to the same school and i remember talking to them about it once and was like oh yeah we had him like because my brothers are a lot older than me and they were like, yeah, you should have seen him back in the day when he was drunk and you were allowed to hit kids. Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, he could also hit his Marines as well. So, like, yeah, yeah there's a lot of drunken abuse going on. Yeah, uh, corporal punishment never really got uh, got made illegal in Ireland. It just went a bit uh, more obtuse. Out of style, perhaps. Um, like, to the point that there was a... Oh, he was an English and geography teacher who was... N- in his 70s or nearly in his 70s who used to be a policeman in the uk and got the nickname uh i can't say the word because it's a slur but uh p word p word basher oh okay i was gonna say tell me what it is and then bleep it out but i already understand what it is now so yeah he's very visibly sick 
um, throughout the day. He's shaking constantly. He's vomiting blood at random. What do you think? This man, this man sounds like a random encounter in Fallout. <laughs> yeah, he's a, like imagine he's a, he's a fucking ghoul. <laughs> you pick the mysterious stranger perk, and this guy shows up. You just hear, and like he just like he just turned around. A disheveled, like sweating man in a marine captain's uniform with blood all down the front. <laughs> He's really hard to hit with vats because his hitbox is so small because he's bent over vomiting. <laughs> so if you were, say, his boss, what job would you assign him in the Marine Corps? Other, other than, like, a, you know, rehab if it existed in 1915, but it doesn't yet. I'm going to guess something that has extreme operational importance. Chief of Police of Guam. <laughs> so thankfully for the Chamorro people and everybody else around him, he didn't really like to do his job in Guam because it's not what he wanted to do. He said, yeah, it takes what takes away from your drinking time. Yeah. Well, I mean, he drank at work. He was drinking around the clock and would occasionally unholster his sidearm and shoot coconuts off of trees while he was walking <laughs> down the street. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. That's kind of funny. That's a funny bit. It's like, you need, you know, he needs to, the importance for, prolonging your drinking this is some advice for any of you who have you know you have something coming up and you need to go drinking all day the report of a firearm will sober you up immediately <laughs> that and you know like if you have you know some water every like two to three drinks it'll you know you'll keep yourself hydrated this dude is doing that but shooting coconuts off trees and just pulling a straw out just like catching the coconut water in his mouth as it rains down oh there goes chief ellis again shooting at the coconuts <laughs> now, luckily for him, he was poured out of this monotony of being a police chief in Guam by World War One. I. I just realized he's just doing the bit from The Simpsons when Homer like tries to shoot the telly off. Yeah, he's just going around shooting off the lights and stuff. 